Thanks, Bernadette. Thanks, Jim. It uh, looks like we've got uh, outdoor activity lined up and spiritual activity lined up and God's got plans for your life lined up and uh, Happy New Year. I'm glad uh, you're here and I'm glad you're uh, joining us uh, on this uh, first Sunday of the new year. I want to uh, t talk about uh, two big resolutions uh, that we uh, can make or should make or might want to consider making. Uh, with God, but uh, before I jump right into that, uh, this is a time when uh, many folks uh, do reflections and they do resolutions. So if you, you know, get the newspapers, they'll look at what all the uh, big events for the year, mostly bad news, but lots of all events uh, reviewed for the year. Or you, if you're a music person, you'd say like, what were the top 20, top 100 songs of the year, and uh, you reflect back on that. Uh, or if you're a book person, what were the top uh, 20, 55, I don't know, best-selling uh, books for the year, and you reflect back on that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's something uh, helpful uh, in just like asking God, uh, what uh, did you do in my life this year? Now, I'd encourage uh, folks to have a spiritual journal or a diary. Uh, and uh, if you do keep one, or if you kept one last year, uh, what I suggest you do uh, before this year gets away from us is to take some time, if you haven't already, and what I call harvest your journal, meaning go through it for the year and uh, try and look at two different aspects. Uh, look at what were the low points of the year. What were the difficult seasons in your year? Now, you may find that uh, if you keep a journal, there's like a lot of those, uh, because by human nature, we don't seem to record the highlights as much as we recall and record the difficulties. S but I would encourage you to look at the difficulties and look at the great things this past year, but not just to reflect on the good and the bad. But to ask yourself this question, where was God in all of this? Because there's something that we learn about God and how God interacts in our lives and how we can uh, understand God, walk in His ways when we see God in the ups and the downs of our life. So taking some time and just looking back, okay, what were the highlights of this past year? What were the lowlights uh, of this past year? Where was God in all of this? And how did I connect with God? And how did I understand God's ways in and through all these things? It's, it's a helpful um, <coughs> exercise. As I um, was doing that just both individually and also corporately, uh, I felt that one of the things I really need to give folks an update on is our church building um, situation. Uh, because I hadn't said much uh, this last year uh, that uh, unfolded. Uh, and that's actually pretty interesting because there wasn't much to be said. Uh, as, but I do want to uh, summarize something here. Uh, about a year and something ago, we did a uh, campaign saying, hey, let's uh, look at getting a, an upgrade in our facility. Uh, and the motive was twofold. One is to say this particular region is pretty well served by FCCH, uh, a, a significant church in the area, whereas uh, in Milford there's a pretty significant uh, hole where there's nobody uh, there like us. And so from a kingdom standpoint, 
we really felt like that would be a good position for us. We've always felt like, you know, we Hopkinton, Milford. Uh, our demographics, interestingly enough, have now shifted slightly where the, the majority of our people aren't from Hopkinton anymore. It's really Milford, Hopedale, uh, and then Hopkinton uh, close by. So, you know, we're not talking about far geographically, but uh, we are talking about, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do we advance your kingdom? And uh, in doing that, we then went on, uh, well, first, you guys were very generous. We did a, a building campaign, and then we started looking for facilities. And the upshot of which was uh, Milford, where the market was pretty empty just before we started doing the campaign. And there were a lot of empty facilities. Uh, just after we did the campaign, the market turned, and Milford got really red hot. I mean, there's like nothing available, um, not only in buildings, but in houses. I mean, just the, the town really has been a sort of surprising uh, uptick. Uh, all of which to say that we have found absolutely nothing that's even, y y which we can even consider. So it's not like we've dropped the ball. Uh, I, I want to say this, though. I honestly believe we've done the right thing. I think we've heard the Lord's voice. Uh, we've uh, done what we needed to do. But now we sit in the awkward predicament, which happens in many parts of our lives, where we need to wait on God. And we say, okay, this is, uh, on one hand, a little awkward. Nobody likes to wait. We're all impatient. But on the other hand, uh, there's a sense of God is up to something. And if we wait and we get the timing right, God will do what only God can do. And uh, from all of us, we're saying we only want to do what God wants us to do. And if that means something comes up, then we'll move on it. And if nothing comes up, then we'll just continue to be happy with what God has given us. This facility works pretty well. Uh, it's got its limitations. But, you know, there's a lot of things which are really great about it. And in the interim, you know, we've, use the money to pay down the mortgage or we got money in cash we could pay down the mortgage we're just trying to juggle you know do we need the cash or so it hasn't been a wasted exercise that's all i'm saying but the motive wasn't to do a capital campaign to pay down the mortgage the other upside is this particular building seems to be red hot it seems like we could sell this there's a real demand for this building uh the last thing in the world we want to do is uh, sell a building and then have no place to go. I've watched a few churches go through that uh, painful <laughs> dilemma and it's not good. Uh, but uh, I am saying as we reflect back uh, in this past year, uh, there really wasn't much to, to be said on the building side. Uh, on the other hand, uh, like in our lives, we can be content in saying, God, okay, we'll wait for you. Your timing is always a mystery to us. Uh, but when we obey and we get in sync with your timing it's normally pretty great and uh, i'm expecting uh, that we that god will do something we'll keep praying and we'll keep waiting and we'll keep giving god thanks uh, for what we do have so uh, that's reflecting on the back now what about making resolutions going forward well uh, obviously the most uh, popular resolution right now is to lose weight and join the gym i mean that's we all know this, uh, and I, I encourage you to do that. I, I think God is interested in our uh, physical well-being, and uh, I do hope you beat this, the odds, and you know, by the end of the month, you're still going to the gym, or in two months' time, you're still going to the gym. I mean, gyms are hoping that you won't beat those odds because they need your money, but they don't really need you to be there. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully none of you in the gym business. But... Uh, <laughs> 
do the right thing. Uh, take care of your body. Uh, get it in physical shape. Uh, you know, there was an interesting uh, um, survey that was done, research project, uh, by the way, and that is more people in the world, the worldwide survey, are dying because of too much food for the first time in the history of mankind than too little food. I mean, we're just like shifted. More people are dying because they're eating too much than are dying because they're not eating enough. Uh, that, you know, about two or three years ago, whatever that shift happened for, whatever that worth, I'm sure that'll motivate you now to go to the gym or whatever. Uh, but uh, going to the gym or not going to the gym isn't the high priority of what I'm saying. Do something new. I mean, you read something new, make whatever resolutions uh, you, know, it's gonna, you think will help to improve your life uh, or make you happier. But I am very interested in uh, making resolutions that will improve your life spiritually or uh, that you'd connect with God in a better way or that God would become more real to you, or you'd experience God's love in a more powerful way, or that God will be more personal to you. And how to make that a reality and a possibility, I'm really interested in, and uh, that's what I uh, want to talk about uh, today uh, as we do that. So uh, let me just pray. Uh, God, uh, uh, I just uh, ask that uh, over this year, uh, we would uh, be able to know you better, that we would experience your love. Uh, Lord, that we would know that you're involved in our lives in personal ways. And Lord, that we would honor you and that we would uh, reciprocate and we would respond to you. But Lord, it's our desire that uh, we would be connected uh, to you, that you would be close to us, that your presence would be felt. And so, Lord, I just pray for today's preaching. You'd lift me up uh, that I would be able to uh, articulate this. But uh, more importantly, Lord, I, I pray for your presence uh, to be here. In your name, Jesus, uh, amen. So uh, the big resolution that, uh, the two big resolutions that I would uh, like us to consider today uh, is a command of God to love God and to love your neighbor. Let me uh, just read Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Uh, it's part of uh, what we call the great uh, love of God for us. Uh, it says this, Jesus replied after being questioned uh, you know, by a lawyer and by a lawyer trying to trap Jesus and by a lawyer trying to make things very complicated and Jesus having the ability to make things really simple. You know, so the lawyer's trapping Jesus and saying, okay, you know, like there's many, 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 many laws in the Old Testament and they're all like equally important. And, you know, what do you think, Jesus? And what do you think is the most important? And, you know, there really isn't going to be any answer to this question. And we just want to go around in circles. And so he's trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus said, no, it's not that complicated. It, it's not that complicated. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The entire law. I mean, like, if you just get these two things, you get the whole Bible. You get, like, who God is all about. The, the entire thing is love God, love your neighbor. So, uh, you know, as resolutions, 
can we, can we really put, you know, practical application? Can we put feet to this? Can we say, God, you know, I, I'm resolving that I want to love you just as you're asking. With all my strength, with all my heart, with all my might, I, I want to love you. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. Now, I want to spend most of today talking about loving God uh, and very little bit about loving your neighbor because we can elaborate on that uh, later on. But uh, we wanna, we're going to start a sermon series, uh, Walking with God. And uh, the whole idea of this series is how do we get to know more about who God is? How do we walk in God's ways? Who is this God? And how do we uh, understand Him with the idea of God loves us. He wants to uh, have relationship with us, but we need to sort of get in track with the way God thinks and the way God moves and the way God uh, talks and walks, uh, as opposed to, uh, which is more kind of popular thought, uh, where we do it our way and we say, God, you order, you should have, where are you, why didn't you? And we, you know, questioning God and throwing it all at God, uh, whereas God is saying, listen, I have revealed a lot about who I am. Get in alignment with who I am and the way I do things, and then you will experience my blessing, my joy, my peace, my protection, my prosperity. You, you will, you'll experience these, these things. But if you want to do it your way and they just ask me to bless you, it's going to be sort of hit and miss. Uh, you know. So the next sermon series, how do we walk with God? How has God revealed Himself to us? What is God like? Uh, who is He? Uh, it's hard to imagine, but Rick Warren uh, wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, this book uh, came out in 2002. I mean, this is going back uh, some time. Now, uh, Rick's book uh, ended up being like, you know, on the top of the New York bestsellers list. It ended up being the top of the Wall Street Journal uh, list. I mean, he's by like 2007, he'd already sold 30 million copies of this book. And this book is like pretty simple. Uh, I mean, that's why it's so profound. Uh, in fact, uh, many of you have probably memorized the very first line, the very first sentence in that book. Uh, and it goes this way. It's not about you. Now, here's the paradox. In the self-help series, it's always all about you. And this is the best-selling book you know, of all time on self-help. And the opening line is, it's not about you. Now, if that's not sort of upside down, and, but that's precisely what it's like following God. What we think, it's all about us and how we should do it. And what God is saying, it's not about you, it's all about me, but when you kind of get it, and you follow me, then it's really all about you. You get really blessed, and, but you have to put your eyes on the Lord. I mean, it's, it's sort of a mystifying concept. And yet, you know, I think the reason this book was such a huge success was Rick's ability to say profound things really simply. It's not about you. And instead of that being this big downer, it ends up being this big upper. It's like, wow. Thank goodness it's not about me. I've tried doing it all about me, and I like, can't figure it out. And I'm not really that great, and I'm not really that smart, and I'm not really that fast, and I'm not really that anything wonderful. But God is. And when we get our eyes off ourselves, and we see how great God is, it gives us hope. And if we keep thinking we're that great, 
uh, we just will lose hope. And so the paradox is, as we can continue to reflect on God, we get inspiration, we get help, and um, it's helpful. Well, some of you are animal lovers, and uh, please don't send me any emails afterwards whether you prefer dogs or cats. But you know, let me just explain it this way. I didn't make this up. Somebody else far smarter than me came up with this idea. Uh, he said, you know, uh, dog lovers... <coughs> Uh, because dogs have a different mindset. Uh, dogs, when you feed them, uh, they, their tails wag, they come running up for their food, they get really excited about it, and when they finish like, just devouring their food, they say, man, this person's like, God, he just feeds me. Now, cat lovers... There we go, one. Okay, cat lovers... The cat comes when it feels like, and, uh, you know, finally you feed the thing, and the cat says, man, I must be God. These people feed me. They serve me. <laughs> now, let me just suggest we should be more like dogs rather than cats, you know, just like, God, you are great. You just, like, you know, provide for me. You Don't be like a cat. Don't think, oh, God, you know, I'm just so great, and you need to just serve. But anyway... Please don't send me emails about your cat. <laughs> Ethan, I understand you love your cat. And it's, stay with it. In the Gospel of uh, John, God opens up this Gospel in a kind of a mysterious way. In the beginning was the Word. Now we've, got, we've just come out of Christmas season. We've, if you look at uh, Matthew and, and Luke... They got the accounts of Jesus' birth, and, uh, and it's, you know, it, it's sort of a logical way when looking at autobiography, so to speak, of, of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And then you get the Gospel of John, and it's got a totally different way uh, of approaching this. And uh, I want to emphasize the word, word, because the, the Gospel starts this way. It says, in the beginning... The Word, capital W, already existed. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you, your head is spinning, and you're thinking, okay, I don't get all this. What is really going on here? And yet it's the most like, really wonderful description of what God is up to. And then in verse 4, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created. And then the key which sort of unlocks this whole mystery is in verse 14. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And so we see, okay, so it's Jesus who's the Word. And there's this uh, unfolding that uh, the way that we connect earth and heaven is Jesus. Jesus is, is the connection. And uh, there's a mystery here where the Word of God is like God. And as we study the Word of God, we study God. And if we want to connect with the Word of God, we look at Jesus uh, and we study the Bible. Uh, this is what unfolds. And I've, as I've said so often, if you want to understand the Old Testament, you start with the New Testament uh, because we are fortunate enough to live on this side of the New Testament and we have the New Testament. We're not living in the Old Testament 
time frame. So we don't start with the Old Testament. But when we look at, say, Psalm uh, 119, uh, it's got a lot to say about the Word. Now, many people don't read Psalm 119 because you're on one of these uh, Bible reading plans and, you know, you've kind of allocated five minutes to read. And then you hit Psalm 119. You say, wait, this is a little longer than the other Psalms. <laughs> and you flip a page. That, it's a lot longer than the other Psalms. And you flip another page. This is a long Psalm. <laughs> and not only that, the Psalm seems to say the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why I'm going to read it to you. Now, I, I know you had plans for lunch today, but just cancel those. Okay, I won't read the whole thing. I'll just point out uh, the benefits here. Uh, here's what's going on. Uh, King David is basically saying, God, I, I just love your decrees. I love your commands. I love your ways. I love your truth. And instead of saying, you know, I resent reading uh, the Bible or the Torah, and I resent having you tell me what to do, and I resent having commands, uh, David is saying they actually give me life. They actually help me. They actually uh, are very, very practical. Now, uh, what, what David does is he says, not only do I know them, not only have I memorized them, not only am I walking in your ways, but over and above that, I have like internalized them and I'm living it. There, there's no contradiction in a sense in David's life between head knowledge and practical application. And that's where I would like us to get to, where we study the Bible, not for head knowledge, but so that it's practical to us. Now, what I want to just point out in Psalm 119 is a whole bunch of ways that it's been practical to David, uh, the ways that it's been a blessing uh, to him in very uh, incredible ways. Uh, so verse 1, joyful. I mean, David is saying, one of the benefits of knowing the Word of God is that you will become extremely joyful. And he's saying, joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. So here's the upside down kingdom. If you want to uh, experience joy, you want to study the Word of God. And not only study it from an intellectual standpoint, but to have it be part of who you are. David is saying, the benefit of knowing your word is that you will be joyful. Then uh, jumping down, uh, David says, you know, if you really want to be pure, now this would be for like teenagers, you know, you struggle with purity. And it's like, how do you stay pure? Well, you could read a hundred books and on dating and, and uh, you know, whatever. Uh, David says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Wow, so another benefit, purity. Uh, and then jumping along, David says, uh, you can experience revival. Uh, how do you become revived? How do you become excited again when you flat? How do you experience God and the love for God when you just flat? Revive me by your word. And verse 28 Encourage me by your word. If you want to be encouraged, you be encouraged by your word. Uh, verse 37, David says, this gives me life. It's life-giving. And then in verse 41, give me your unfailing love. I mean, you want to experience God's love, unfailing love, you get it by meditating, reading the word of God. 
It says your, in verse 50, your promises revive me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Now, here's the fun thing about Psalm 119. David is admitting like he's going through like tough times in his life. It's desperate. He is like battling. And he's saying, I'm going through all this desperate time, and the only way I can find joy and find peace and find hope and find encouragement is in you, God. And that's why it's pertinent for us. Uh, verse 92, your instructions, if your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. You know, so when we're feeling miserable, when we're feeling hopeless, the antidote is God's word. And it's saying, God, give me your joy. Help me out here a bit. Uh, and then verse 105 is like well known and for good reason. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Saying, okay, God, God I need guidance. I need help. I need your direction. Your word. Uh, verse 114, your word is a source of hope. Uh, you lack hope. You, you don't feel hopeful. King David is saying, meditate on God's word. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a struggle when you're like feeling down, when you're battling, to pick up God's word and start reading and say, okay, God, speak to me. I want to have the same encouragement like David did. Uh, that sort of works. But what works a whole lot better is as a ready, steady diet, you like know God's word and therefore you can draw on it uh, in times of trouble. That's more the way this thing works. Verse 143, as pressures and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Uh, lastly, verse 162, I rejoice in your words like one who discovers a great treasure. As we discover God, as we understand who He is, and as God is constantly uh, doing something new in our lives, He's always revealing more and more about who He is and how He works to us. And when we discover that, it, it's exciting. It's like a treasure. It gives us life. It gives us joy. It gives us hope. Uh, so one of the resolutions that you might want to make for the new year is to read your Bible. And uh, I've in your bulletin, I've given you a Bible reading plan. Now, there are many Bible reading plans. Uh, there are um, many ways you can go about this. This isn't the way. Uh, you, 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 the way would be like what works for you. Like how do you, on a regular basis, get to read the Bible and get something out of reading the Bible and enjoy reading the Bible, and in doing so, it gives you life and hope and joy. How do you how do, you do that? Now, there's no cookie-cutter approach. If you're new to the Word of God, if you're new as a believer, I would highly recommend you read the Gospel of John. And don't race through it just like, you know, a chapter a week. Some people read fast, some people read slowly. Just go through it and ask questions. On the other hand, uh, many of you have been Christians for a long time. You've read the Bible through many, many times. And so you have a different problem. It's like, how do you keep this fresh? How, how do you keep it, you know, uh, rele relevant to you when you read a verse and you know what the next verse is before you read it? Uh, so for you, this might be a helpful tool. Uh, this little plan puts the Bible in chronological order. Now, even a newbie would know that if you just pick up the Bible and try to read it from Genesis to Revelation, 
it's not the best way to do it. I mean, you get in the prophets and it's like another prophet, another prophet, another prophet. And you don't know who he's talking to or why he's talking to them or, or what's going on. And you just kind of get lost. Uh, that's if you get to the prophets. Normally you get to like Genesis chapter 6 and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm, what, where's this all going? What's this all about? But chronologically is a method. I'm not saying it's the best method. It's just a method. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you, you do your Bible on your phone or, you know, Bible app, they've got a Bible reading plan on there. You can follow that one. But, but here's what I'm saying to you. If you like the idea of doing it chronologically, uh, here's a plan. 365 days in a year, this is how much you read each day, and then off you go and do it. Great. Uh, I'm also saying that, uh, like going to the gym, uh, by next week when you, we get together, I don't want you to say, okay, I've given up. You know, I'm already seven days behind, and I'm like four chapters in each book, and like, how am I going to make this up? So f- figure out a plan that's sustainable. You, you, you know, you go to the gym, and the first day you do every single machine, and you know, by day two or three or four, you're like so exhausted and stiff. It's like, I don't even want to go to the gym. I can hardly move. How's this beneficial? And likewise, with Bible reading, you read like the whole of Genesis, the first, you know, two days, like, oh, took me all, you know, too much time. So here's a plan. Start with uh, the New Testament. And uh, maybe that's where you want to say, okay, I'm going to read from there. Uh, uh, number day 274. And you know what? If you don't stick to each day, it's not a big deal. Just like try and do it. Make a plan that works for you. That's all I'm trying to say. Find something that works. Uh, I would... Personally, uh, what would work for me is I would read uh, day 274, and then the next day I'd probably go to number one, Genesis. Because I've really looked at this plan, and I'm like, okay, there's a whole lot of Job here. And quite honestly, I like the last few chapters in Job, and I can deal with the other you know, 38 uh, chapters. But uh, again, it's predictable for me. I've read it you know, a few times, and I still want to read it again, but... You need some sort of uh, spice in this uh, that's exciting. That's just a plan. Uh, Another whole different resolution besides just reading the Bible. uh, I would like for us as a church and for us individually to take serious uh, God's instructions about the Holy Spirit. And that uh, we would really press in to the things of the Holy Spirit. And we would really ask for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, what that looks like from an application standpoint. And so uh, verses like 1 Corinthians 12, 31, uh, I think we should take seriously, which says this. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Or if you're in the NIV, now eagerly desire the greater gifts which obviously asks, well, what are the greater gifts? And then in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says this, let love be your highest goal. Okay, now we need to like fix that in our mind. It's like let love be our highest goal. That's the main and the plain. That's the highest goal. But then it carries on and says, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. Here's what happens. Uh, People tend to either get excited about the spiritual gifts or they shy away from the spiritual gifts. And the reason is because you can't control them. 
You can control your Bible reading. You can control, you know, a lot of the things you do, but you can't control getting the gifts of the Spirit. You can't control what God is going to reveal to you or what God's not going to reveal to you. But you can cooperate with God and you can eagerly desire them. Now, I don't have time here to talk about all the spiritual gifts, but I am talking about things like prophecy, like speaking in tongues, like healing people, like praying for people to be healed. You know, things that you can't do unless God shows up and does it. And like I said, I mean, people either shy away from that. Like, I don't want any of that foolishness. I've seen that, you know, craziness on TV or whatever. It's just like, I don't understand. I don't want... Or people say, we really need a lot more of this. But in a way, in a format, in a thing which is naturally supernatural, not like showy, you know, can we get the real deal without all the manipulation? I mean, that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying we should really lean into that. I want more of the supernatural things of God in my life, in this church. Uh, I love it when God does miracles. I love it when God does the things that we can't control and orchestrate. And I would greatly like uh, for more of that as a resolution. So my resolution would be, God, uh, you know, I want to read your word. I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to try and stick to the plan. I'm going to try and make a plan which is customizable to my personality and my schedule. Uh, and Lord, help me do that. Lord, I'm going to make a resolution like I want more of the gifts of your spirit. I, I, I want to be dependent on your supernatural acts and work. And I want to use those, uh, Lord, that you would be glorified. This is not about me being glorified. It's not about you. It's about God. But God desires us to lean in, hear from him, and use what he's saying and telling and doing to bless the church primarily, and to bless our neighbors, those around us, to help us. I mean, it's extremely helpful um, when we, you know, when somebody has a prophetic word of encouragement for us that's pertinent to where we're at, that they could never have known unless God told them. And when you're on the receiving end of that sort of thing, it's life-giving. I mean, it changes your life. It changed my life. Uh, I wouldn't be in ministry if it wasn't for the gift of the prophetic. And people, because I'm so pathetic, I mean, the prophetic having to be done again and again and again. And because it was like simple, God had to say the same thing to me again and again and again. I'm like, this is not God. This is not God. Until, you, you know, how many times can you dismiss God when different people are saying the same thing to you, you know, just like randomly? I mean, it's like, okay, finally, God, it, it's you, God. It's a good thing. Let me just say, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Lastly, and I said to be real quick on this, and, and I indeed will be quick on this. The second point, love your neighbor as yourself. All I want to say on this, to make this practical, to put feet to this, is get into a small group this season. Now, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be rolling out what groups we're going to be having, what small groups are coming up. But if you want to love your neighbor... Uh, start with those here in your congregation. Start with getting to know people, being in a group, and being part of a small group. It might be a Bible study. It might be a, uh, you know, a life group. It might be a, a spiritually gifted group that's focusing on prophecy and how do you do it and how do you go. I mean, whatever we're rolling out, find one that suits you. Find a time that gets together. It might be as simple as uh, Chris's group, uh, you guys on Thursday nights. I mean, you get together and just pray together. I mean, it's a small group that's focused on just praying for each other. What a great thing. Find another group. Start your own group. But 
Get in a group. We don't do God alone. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to love your neighbor, uh, it starts with like actually knowing a neighbor and actually getting together with somebody. Uh, you, you can't love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. So start with the church, and obviously extends. It's bigger. Loving your neighbor is bigger than the church, but at least it is the church. Uh, let's start there. So let me just uh, finish off by reading Matthew 22:37 again. Jesus replied. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So uh, let me just finish in prayer. Jesus, I just pray that uh, we can make resolutions. We can uh, decide how we're going to make this practical. Lord, but I ask that you would guide us. Help us, Lord, that this year would just be a terrific year. Lord, it would be terrific because you're in charge and you're leading us and you're guiding us and we sense your presence and we sense your involvement in our lives and we sense your love for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.